Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Uh, October 8, 2020 on the Mike Abadir Show. Gino Bacola here alongside the main man, Mike Abadir. And we are rolling along in the baseball playoff. Lakers have a three games to one lead in the NBA Finals. We're moving along to week five in the NFL. But one team has been a little naughty, Mike. They, uh, they might have to get a slap on the wrist or maybe even have to forfeit a game coming up. We have a ton to talk about in the world of sports. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty well, man. And yeah, man, the NFL world is uh, a little bit on edge right now when it comes to the COVID issue. Adam Schefter is reporting as of about 12 minutes ago that the Titans-Bills game has been scheduled for, the ones originally scheduled for Sunday is going to be moved to Tuesday at 6 p.m. with a caveat as long as there are no more positive tests this then will affect the Bills-Chiefs game, which is going to be moved from next Thursday to Sunday. Once again, depending on tests. So that's the world we live in right now, uh, Gino. It's very which, fluid. Yeah. It's day by day. It's, it's very what, different than anything we've ever been used to in the world of sports. And we can, we've seen that the NBA did a hell of a job with their bubble. With the way that their bubble was set up, they were able to get through it without ever having to have anybody miss games because of like a COVID issue while while they, the replay was going on. There were some players that tested positive initially, and they maybe had to wait a little bit, and maybe they missed a game or two at the beginning until they started playing. But there was not somebody that tested positive while they were there in the bubble, which was which was great. And baseball, we saw what happened with the Marlins and with the Cardinals early. But they were able to make up basically every game through double headers. That's not possible in football. And the one thing that that stinks about it, the only the thing that rubs me a little bit the wrong way is I hate that the Bills have to be affected at all by this. I hate that the teams that have done things the right way have to have their schedules change and anything impacted. Because we know one thing, Mike, and you know this as being involved in the NFL forever. It's 16 weeks, you know, you got your 16 games, and everything is based on looking ahead. What do we have here? When's our bye? How are we going to get to this week? Okay, we got the Thursday game here. We got a Sunday night, Monday night. Okay, we got a bit. We, now, how, how is our practice schedule going to be built this week? It's all that way. It's not like any other sport, really, in that you can just kind of maneuver games around. And it's okay. We can just kind of play on a Tuesday, Sunday, this. And that. you can't really do that in the NFL. And the team that, the teams that did the wrong, and in this case, the Titans, they should be the ones that really have to suffer the most. And I, in my opinion, that would be, in this case, in, in, in if it has to go any farther, forfeiting a game. You just can't move everybody else's games around and impact the rest of their season. I don't really like that. The Steelers already are going to have to go through a situation where they're going to play 13 straight weeks. I was just going to say, Ben Roethlisberger echoed some of the, your exact same thoughts, you know, the other day. I don't know if you heard that or not. You know, it kind of came off as a little bit of whiny on his end just because – Roethlisberger seems to kind of play that, you know, sure. warrior that can get up at any time, but then the world is kind of against him kind of mentality. But, you know, take the speaker out of the equation. The content of what he was saying was 
you know, it had some merit to it. And, and I especially agree, when we it's, it's find out different. they yeah, went it's, out. It's, see, the thing is, it's not like baseball where you're necessarily setting up like a like a rotation and that type of thing. It's very different, but scheduling is just as important. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. a different type of importance, but it's equally as important. Hey, look, right now, if anything affects one of these teams, like, you know, the, the Bills, for example, like you mentioned, uh, their bye week or something like that, and they haven't been able to play, plan ahead. Um, hey, man, that's that's those guys is not even one week vacation that they get during a very, very intense year. Right. So, I mean, that How even beat is, up they is get. worth something. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's even worth something to discuss, you know? Yeah, so, it's just many it's, components to this. Especially when, if and again, if this was something that was just, hey, all these guys, everybody's playing by the rules, everybody's doing what they're supposed to do, and and this is just like a one of those freak things where it happens, you know what, okay, I'm not going to blame people as much, but then we find out again that they were having workouts when they were they knew they were not supposed to do that. They knew they were going against protocol and having these workouts, you know, to try to stay in shape, which sure we applaud them. We understand. I understand you, you're kind of up in limbo. This is your job. You, you're, you're a good team. You, you, you're you, what you're undefeated right now. You actually are thinking you, you're a team that could be a Super Bowl contender. You don't want to lose practice and you don't want to get out of shape, lose a day, a week, an hour, anything over uh, against any other team. I understand that. You just can't do that and put everybody else in jeopardy. And, and that's, what was frustrating is that, you know, we heard all the stuff about them. You know, we saw the footage of them out practicing and they're gathering and people knew and they didn't know and nobody said anything. And it's just, it's unfortunate because things were, things have been good. It's been a good NFL season for the most part. There've been some injuries, but as far as the level of play and stuff, we've had good games. Some teams look good. Like things have been pretty darn good for not having a preseason, not having a real startup like most years, I just I, this is something that just like throws a, a a little bit of a wrench in it because this could be now two, three, four weeks. How many they're going to be affected by this? Yeah, and uh, I know I mentioned the Titans and the Bills, and the Bills and the Chiefs. One more to announce here: the Broncos Patriots is moved to Monday night. Okay, they're originally scheduled for Sunday. Sources at ESPN confirmed that it has been moved to Monday night. Now, from a fan perspective, I kind of like these Monday double. Me too, and I like them. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's a good great. part. It's just it's especially so with you know you don't have like you know NBA every day and, and MLB every day. Now we're getting to that point of you know there's only a couple or maybe one more NBA game left, and baseball is kind of uh, thinning out. So from that front, I I kind of like it a little bit. And, sure, um, sure. But I mean, all, all kidding aside. Yeah, it's it's kind of a strange place to be. Now I know we've got a lot of fantasy players that listen to our show. If my understanding is uh, correct, Tuesday games are still considered part of that sun Thursday, Sunday, Monday week prior, not ahead. Is I that think correct? So. I'm, I'll confirm right now, but I'm pretty sure that that's the case because we haven't had a Tuesday so far yet this year. Yeah. Right. It's just been the double Mondays that they did the double Mondays. And then they, they just, you know, the other Titans game, Pittsburgh game got post pushed back to week seven, whatever the, their buys were supposed to be. But, um, it, yeah, yeah, I thought I saw a, a, like a little thing on ESPN on their app or on their, uh, right sorry, on their, on their desktop site, which said, remember with their speculation a couple days ago about what mm-hmm. was going to happen, uh, for the game that ended up being played on a Monday. It said if it's Monday or Tuesday, it will be a part of week four. Yeah. So I'm guessing they'll probably put out some kind of announcement like that once mm-hmm. again. 
and uh, you know that hey that that's also look that's a biggie. I mean that's got uh, probably the hottest quarterback going right now. I actually unfortunately get to face him in, in one of my leagues, Josh Allen, mm-hmm. in, uh, in League Three, um, and obviously a lot of good role players and Derek Henry on the other side. So. It's a big fantasy weekend, but in terms of reality, obviously, first and foremost, it goes without saying, we hope everybody, and it sounds like most of these guys that are getting it, that are testing positive are asymptomatic. Yeah. It doesn't sound like there's really any kind of health issues involved so far, but hopefully none of them experience any, and, uh, and, and probably more realistically, hopefully none of their older family members that's, or that's anything the key. like that. Coaches, yeah. things yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Older coaching exactly. on, the, so on the staff. That and- goes, obviously, goes without saying that's more important than my fantasy lineup, your fantasy lineup, anybody's fantasy lineup, our wagers, anything like that. Health and safety comes first. And uh, it was nice to hear Bill Belichick, who's a very serious person, but he reiterated that message as well in terms of health and safety. So let's get, well, you want to get to NFL plays at the end. And, and because I wanted to ask, pick your brain a little bit on some baseball stuff, because today's one of those last sort of big baseball days where you have four games, you know, because there's still a bunch of series before they shorten up into four teams. And, and so far what we've seen now, we know that the Braves have moved on. They're going to be in the national league championship series. They end up sweeping the Marlins and it looks like the Astros are uh, about to, Move on. They're going to win uh, three games to one in their in their five. So I'm sure everybody out there is very excited about, about seeing those lovable old Astros who uh, got into the playoffs at 29 and 31 and under 500, um, getting into the NLC or the uh, AL. Uh, and hey, and without without their ace. Yeah, and and it's funny. Um, they, they've hit the ball much better in this series, obviously, in the last few games. In the first series against the Twins. It was like the twins were just gifting them opportunities to, to like stay alive. And that was one of these things where it's like, we know this, Mike. These guys are pro athletes. They're good. And I think that's what pissed everybody off even more about the cheating is that these guys are really talented. We, we knew they didn't really need to do that. Um, but you can't give any team opportunity after opportunity after opportunity right they were able to sort of back into the playoffs this year because the teams around them weren't good they were under 500 um you know they, i think they were the first team ever in playoff history to win a series at under 500 and now it doesn't matter none of that matters really um it's it's just phenomenal that the a's the rays have, have been very good and they're gonna see if they can uh, they can you know move along a little later on today but what do you do if you're a team like the a's and if you're or if you're a team like the twins where it feels like you've made these adjustments now your bullpen's better your starting pitching's better the t- we look at the a's and it's like man they're bullpen they have so many arms but yet they get there and every time they get there not only do they lose they get beat up they they don't just lose series or lose games they're not really close either of these two teams it's like what kind of changes do you have to make when you feel like on paper you've already made those changes yet you still can't really even get close that's a great question and i think the answer is going to be very different between the the answer for the twins versus the answer for the ace because the twins have a much older pitching staff we know what their ceiling is Right, these guys have been in the league for a long time. Maybe with the exception of, of Barrios, who's been in the league for what three, four years. The A's, on the other hand, their pitching didn't deliver in this current series here in the ALDS. Okay, their pitching did not 
perform in the manner that the team or anybody else expected them to. But look, man, these guys are really young. That pitching yeah, staff no, is really, really young. So we don't know their ceiling yet. And and some of these guys, it's like their their second playoff appearance. And, you know, first no, playoff and, and appearance. I think um, coach the Twins coach said something similar, and he said, "Look." Uh, these guys aren't the guys that were losing games 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. So it's 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 different in that you don't th- they're probably not feeling it quite as much, but you know, I, and I'm I'm saying this as someone who's a Dodger fan because I get a lot of crap from people saying the Dodgers choke. I mean, they win series and get to World Series in and have dominant performances. Unfortunately, the Twins and the A's, they they have the last couple years in particular, like the A's this year on paper looked so good. They really did. Like, this looked like such a great opportunity. The Yankees were a little down. The way that bottom part of the bracket fell, they got the at. They were able to come back against the White Sox when, when they were down early, and, and they were set up so perfectly. They had an Astros team that they knew that they shouldn't be scared of because they played against, they played really well throughout the regular season. And instead of them kind of having their the bravado and puffing their chest out, it was the opposite. They were, like, uphill the whole time. It, well, even you, earlier you, today, they, they were up three nothing, and it sort of felt like the tide was going to turn. But it immediately, five batters, five runs, and they're down five three, and it just it just shifted. The big hitters and Astros really came to play this this yeah. uh, entire postseason, really, um, with clutch hits in the Twin Series, and then now with just bashing. <laughs> they're just bashing all the way. And, Here's what I'll tell you about the A's, though. The, the the thing that's surprising to me, aside from the fact that the pitching really hasn't delivered is that the guys that had the hitters that didn't have great regular seasons in the shortened season really came to play like Simeon and, and Chris Davis and some of these guys, Mm -hmm. at least they brought it with their home run power that they were expected to have, that they didn't really have on any kind of consistent basis. So it's kind of too bad that finally their hitters started, you know, bashing away and they couldn't get those shutdown type performances from their starters. I I mean, that's kind of the, that's kind of the the tough, the problem. The part that's going to make their coaching staff sick and their yep. executives sick is that, man, the one time that we needed to, to come together and we've gotten consistently good pitching all year long and it just implodes. And, and you said it right. Every time the A's, you know, struck, the Astros struck back harder. And there's been a few games where it's been a seesaw battle. But every time the Astros find found a way to one-up them. A lot of these teams, you can tell, um, and this is this happens in all sports. It's just they're not used to really getting punched. And, and you said struck, and it's it, it just reminds me of, of boxing, even right. It's like you, you're gonna get hit. You can't go into any of these playoff games or series, you know, thinking that it's just going to be easy, and you're not going to have moments where you're down. There's some adversity. Somebody's gonna have to come up and do something. And a lot of these teams felt like you could kind of see it immediately. They got down game one. And that was what was kind of scary about this, this setup this year with the three game series right away. And then into the five game series with the division is that at three game series, you're down one, you're down game one. And then it's like, uh Oh, this, this is our season. Yep. Next game. Yeah, exactly. Season. Right. You could, you could see people like, acting that way um, d- throughout the game. So yep. that, that was, that was pretty crazy. And um, and so now way, it looks you know, like, I just wanted to quickly insert yeah, go ahead. Uh, Simeon, I just pulled it up, batting 533 this series. Yeah. And you but, can't capitalize but, with him, you know. <laughs> but, but Springer, 389. Altuve, 400. Brantley, 368. Bregman, 400. Tucker, 412. Correa, 500. 
And pitching, when you see the pitching didn't a, show up, obviously. Yeah, that's, and I, I give. I know, it's, you you have to do both, right? You got to apply the Astros some for sure. They're hitting the ball and they're they're clutch. But th- that is so for that many of the A's pitchers to all not show up. Yeah, simultaneously, like who who pitched well for them in this in this four game stretch of this series? Well, and I mean, even, you know what, the Astros pitching didn't pitch that great either. I mean, no, they, and that's and they're not ERA's seven seven one. So no. even their best pitcher on the Astros didn't come through either. It just and they're not good yeah. in in a the way and even in the the schedule, for example, the way this was set up with five straight days, we're you're looking at the Astros pitching staff and going, okay, they've Granky. What Valdez has been pretty good. And then who else out of their bullpen is really terrifying? And, I, and I'm saying they've pitched better than you would have thought, but it just this is one that the A's are really going to look back on and say, "Wow, we had a great opportunity this year, in, in, and we really squandered it." And because you never know, you know, next year, who knows? You know, the Astros get another pitcher, the Yankees, you know, throughout a regular season, don't have as many injuries. They're dominant. Everything could be could change. We've seen it as teams of like when you're a fan of a team, you can't ever take it for granted. When you're there with the opportunity, that's got to be you want it. You want it right then because you always think you're going to get back. We're going to. How about you with the Red Sox? I'm sure you thought you'd be back every year. Now you you never would have assumed a year like this. It, it just it's a, it's crazy how it could happen in in sports. Yeah, it sure is. Especially, too, because the A's have some, uh, you know, decisions to make this offseason. There's some pending free agents. Always with I don't money. remember who was it on the Dodgers. It may have been two years ago that said the really tough part about getting bounced in the postseason is you never know, you're never going to have this same group of people, the exact same group of people together mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. I don't remember yep. who it was. It may have been Rich Hill. It's a great point. Right, you're never going to have the exact same group of people, and I think that's that's the emotion that we love to see in sports is when they talk very candidly like that after the the season, and uh, you know, as as we're talking here, Gino, just just saying, A's have scored a couple of runs, and they got a couple, couple of runners on base. I know, and I it's know. a very key situation. It's a two-two count. Let's take a commercial break, and we'll find out if the A's make it a little bit more interesting right after this. Please stay with us. We'll come back for more baseball, NBA Finals, and NFL talk. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. 
listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show. So, uh, yeah, the, uh, the Astros are moving along. They'll be playing the winner of the Rays and the Yankees. And the Rays are up in the series two games to one. And it looks like, Mike, there's going to be... Uh, if the Yankees were to lose this series, there's going to be a lot of second-guessing the front office of the Yankees, who reportedly were very influential in some pitching decisions throughout the series and in who they started in Game 2 and how they were going to manage pitching uh, the pitching in Game 2. And with an opportunity to get up in that series, they ended up losing that game, and it felt like they sort of lost all the momentum. So, you know, it, again... Hey, that's what you get, man, when you combine yeah. the worlds of, of, of old-school baseball... And analytics. And front office analytics guys who have, you know, PhDs in statistics and stuff like that, the two worlds collide, right? Boone is from a generational family of baseball players, right? See, he's old school. We know that. When your dad is Bob Boone, you're going to be old school, I guarantee you. Old school catcher in the big leagues, right? And then you have the analytics guys. Yeah, man, it's, it's fascinating to see who wins out. Really quickly, though, before we talk a little bit more on the Yankees and Rays, uh, Eno Saris actually answered your question, or sort of answered your question. Uh, he just put out a tweet right at the conclusion of this game, and he'll never, I think, I have not seen him necessarily say he's a diehard A's fan, but I get the feeling that he is. I know he's up in the Bay Area. Uh, he put out a tweet, said, another good year for the A's ends this way. They could put together a lineup and a pen, but they might need to hit on some starters, like the big three, to advance further. Had hope for Lazardo, Puck, Montes, but I'd be looking at a pitching program if I were them. So I think um, that might be it, right? Maybe Are they maybe the type of team though. You're that so goes good at spends. homegrown pitchers. Maybe it's time to maybe it's time to to land a, a free agent at the beginning of the year and not at the deadline. Are they going to do that? Are they the type of team? Because they always seem like the type of team that the stars go elsewhere. Players come up, they get good. And then they'll end up kind of going somewhere else. They don't feel like a team that always is going to be able to keep and pay all of their talent. Well, then that's why. See, to me, I think that's why you need to get maybe not like Cole, okay, but get like a, a number one. Bow Bauer. And then maybe not the best number one, but you know, a mid-tier number one, which is still a number one, to complement these youngsters to teach them how to win big games. Do I mean, it while I, you still have control of some of these I younger agree. guys. And, and that would be what they need to do. The question is, will they do it? I mean, will, look, how much do you think that that's – It's. I know as a fact it's benefited Walker Buehler to be around Clayton Kershaw absolutely. and Rich Hill 
<laughs> and so many other starters. Like Absolutely. True professionals. The Dodgers have been stacked with pros in, the, in that starting rotation. So these guys, who are, who are they around? You know what I mean? And, and that has to be considered. And if you've got such like premier talent like this, I think you got to bring in a guy or two. Yeah, Look, even with like Tim Hudson. Look how valuable Tim Hudson was late in his career. He was fantastic with the A's. Those were his best years by far. But he's really valuable with the Braves, with the Giants. Why? Because he helped a lot of those younger pitchers out, man. Those pitching staffs all got better when he was there. I, uh, I don't know, man. If the A's are going to move on. I agree. Uh, no, I agree with you. They you know, need to do that. I just, it's one of those things where you. I just I don't know. Like you said, I can see them making a trade midseason again. But are they going to ever go out and say, "Okay, we're going to sign some fun for three years, to a nice three-year deal and have an ace for three years"? I, you know, the guy out there who I said a minute ago who's flirting with teams online and saying, "Hey Padres or Hey Yankees, couldn't yeah. use another starter as Bauer." You know, he's he's yeah. just hilarious, and he would be he'd be a great fit. For a team like this, he'd be a great fit for a team like the Padres, who they they're pitching. They had some some issues with their uh, their health in this series. You know, they didn't have Lamette. They didn't. Uh, they had Clevenger start and have to come out immediately. And this is a team that it's it, the, the way these series have been set up with the five straight games, no days off. It's very difficult. And uh, we saw the the Padres now go down zero to two to the Dodgers. They're going to have to come back and try to win three games in a row if they want to move on. That game is going to be a little later on tonight. Nobody's beating the Dodgers in the year twenty twenty three games in a row. Did they lose three games in a row all year? Oh, I don't think so. Don't no, because they they so. only there was one. I think they lost two series. There was one two game series they lost. And, yeah, and I don't recall a, three games. A few too. other series that they, they never lost. They didn't get swept in a three or four or anything like that. Yeah, uh, I don't think they even had a uh, last the, the last game of a series, the first two of another. I don't think no, there was even a continuation. No. The, uh, the Padres are done. You know, I, I hope we see another great. We had some ball fireworks game again. in that game last night, though. Oh yeah, the game oh, with yeah. all the the Machado and the Gratterall and Bellinger. You know, the well, here, here is to to me. What is the mark of a good team? And we've seen this, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about them for a few minutes in a minute. We've seen this with the Lakers, right? You you, you need it, it can't always be LeBron and AD. And this year, it's been, with the Dodgers. They're so deep. It ha- it's been different guys all the time. But one player who it's not very been very often in the playoffs is Cody Bellinger. And last night, he had an incredible game. You know, he hit an absolute bl- blast, and then he robbed and had an incredible catch, robbing Tatis of a home run in center field. And that's where all the fireworks got started with Gratterall kind of pumping his chest and then kind of pointing out to, to Cody. He was going crazy because he knew Cody just saved his butt. They would have taken a lead at that point. And, uh, and then, you know, Machado is over there going crazy saying, hey, you know, I'm going to – you're gonna have to see me later. I'm gonna don't forget about me. Mookie Betts is telling him, get out of here. Muncie's jumping off. It was there was a lot going on. It was fun. My mom was going crazy. I can tell you that much. <laughs> I'm gonna make three declarations right now. And all of them are in the future. They're short, medium, and long term. Okay, you ready? Number one, the Dodgers are gonna win the World Series. Number two, the best thing that could ever happen 
to the Padres, the cocky young Padres, the hot shot Padres, is to get kicked in the mouth. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the best thing for the future. And number three, sorry, Giants fans, the new rivalry, West Coast rivalries, it's no longer Dodgers-Giants. It's Padres-Dodgers. And I think we're going to have a really fun time watching these two teams battle over the next five years. And it, another thing for the Dodgers that may have been a blessing in disguise, um, I, and, and we talked about this when we did our baseball preview a, a few weeks ago for the playoffs, it, it, Kenley Jensen has been such a polarizing topic for the Dodgers the last couple of years because he is someone who the fans of the Dodgers and it's it's been a weird spot because they've been good into the playoffs a lot. We've had some years where obviously they didn't win, so the fans get real anxious and they they hate on players and they kind of you know you look at the numbers. Kenley was really good in the playoffs always. Like he he's in. Like two bad games, and I think both of one, one came in the Astros series, and one came in the Red Sox series, and that's really it. Other than that, he he was locked down. Even this year, he had a game against the Astros where he was really bad, and you look at all of the rest of his numbers, and he wasn't giving up a ton of hits, he wasn't giving up a ton of walks, a ton of base runners or anything. If you you just use that one game, which was awful, that was the game that inflated his stats, which really still weren't that bad. The difference right now than anything else before is his stuff is not only way down in velocity, but it's missing badly his spots. And this is the difference that we've ever seen. And where the Dodgers got lucky last night is they might have been able to really find that out without losing a game. And that's huge in the playoffs. If they're able to say, hey, you know what? This is a guy who for maybe in a year he's back. Who knows? Maybe he's never the same, and he probably isn't. But right now, I don't think you can go back to him in a high-leverage situation. I, I don't. And they may have been able to find that out without losing. That could be something that helps them. Because what if he gets through that game last night, and then you, you bring him back out in the next series in a real pivotal situation, and he blows it there? Maybe you get it out of the way now without having to take the L. Look, man, you make some really interesting points. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how Dave Roberts handles this situation. I don't know. Which, I mean, here's the thing. But do you remember like a couple years ago with, with Kimbrell, right? Red Sox kind of had a similar situation. Mm-hmm. And part of me was kind of like, well, it's not like the guy forgot to pitch and he has no injuries to speak of. And it's not like he got old all of a sudden once the calendar turned to October because he had like a nice regular season. Um, and Kimbrell was... Man, he he sucked for a lot of the playoffs, right? But they kept going to him, and he eventually got the job done. I mean, these are tough conversations to have. But, I mean, I guess the question is, who would you rather see? I kind of have – I don't listen to insider Dodger stuff like you probably do. Or, like, you know, I listen to, like, some some Red Sox insider stuff. Everybody kind of listens to their fans, kind of beat writers. And I don't really do that with the Dodgers unless maybe I'm driving and I tune into the radio or something. So forgive me if, if everybody's already been talking about the same thing. Obviously, you could go with Blake Trinan, but I think Victor Gonzalez might be the guy for there, the future in that position. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if, if I'm the first or the last person saying that, no, but he, from what I've seen love- from him, I like him a lot. There, What's nice is you feel like there are a lot of options. And and so for the first, this is the strongest Dodger bullpen that they've had since, which is kind of funny because 
Kenley, this is the the, the weakest version of Kenley that there's been, mm-hmm. but it's actually the strongest bullpen, top to bottom. Sure. It, it is it is excellent. There are six or seven good arms, and then you don't, you're not even thinking about. There's always going to be one of either Dustin May, Urias, or Gonsolin. One of those guys is going to be able to come out of the bullpen because they're not going to be starting, you know, all the games either. So, I mean, May, who's who's actually starting Game Three for the Dodgers, he would be the one that I personally would kind of like to get a see, get a sniff. You know, he would be to come in with his stuff in in for an inning if you need him for sick because he's got the length too. He can imagine go just trying to get two innings out of him somewhere deep. I would love him using as a weapon maybe right now, but I think the ones that they're going to logically look at trend in because he's done it before. He's been very solid. Baez is the guy they've groomed for years. You know, they, they've been grooming Baez as the, the next guy to take over for Kenley. And over the last year and a half to two years, he's become such a pitcher instead of just a guy who could rear back and throw. He's learned to throw his other pitches, how to spot people. And he's just, he's, you know, been really, really good. You obviously have Gratterall who's young and who can rocket fire. You have Joe Kelly, who's probably better off in the setup role, but he's done it. You know, like they, they had to go to Joe last night. And what's nice is he's not afraid of a big moment. I don't know if you'd, you'd consistently want to have to count on Joe to get your last three outs every night. But in that situation, like last night, He's a nice guy to go to because he's got the webos. You know, he just he doesn't care about what's going on in that moment. He's going to go right after him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt about it. That guy's uh, he's kind of like a Pedro Martinez type. You know, where you're like, mm-hmm. man, where does he get all this nasty from? Yep. <laughs> you know. Yep. Uh, here's the thing. I would be a little bit hesitant to because we've seen some extra inning games, long extra inning games in the last few postseasons. I'd be hesitant to go with May. I would want to keep my guys that I know can give me some innings for long relief. If yeah, needed. and 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 it depends. And and I have no idea, honestly. I was that just me. Of, and I was sort of surprised that they started May today in Game Three because he pitched a couple innings in Game One, and 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 they may just do similar. He may pitch a few innings to start, and, and they'll maybe they piggyback Urias after him, and they save Gonsolin if they need him for a Game Four or however that works. But um, they they haven't. Yeah, they haven't really been. Descript about with the Dodgers, we know they have a one and two, but, but they haven't really talked about how they're going to how or they would, or I guess we're going to see it now. Maybe it is May that's the three, how they would go three, four, five and, and stack them up. So it's again, this is nice because it feels like there are a lot of good options, and maybe it's just a night by night thing, right? And that's it could fine be. because be. I was just going to say, look, if the decision is that uh, you're going to you're going to make a move in that closer position. I personally would, well, first of all, look, you, you want to win the World Series. That's the goal. So however way you put it together and you get a ring, that's the way the, that it works, right? That's, that's the formula. But we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the formula is. I would personally like to see the guy that Roberts is planning to use for next year's closer role get that experience now. I don't think there's anybody here that he doesn't have faith in. Yeah. Right. So whoever it's going to be, whether you know it was bias and no longer is, whether it's the guy I'm kind of suggesting, Victor, whoever it is, it's going to be, put him in there now and have him be the one closer. Mm-hmm. That's my personal take on it. Um, but I have no idea how it'll shake out. It'll probably go the way you said it, which is it just give me a night by night thing, a matchup thing. Depends on what part of the order that they're going up against. That has a lot to do with it. You know, it lefties, righties, you know, saying things too, and, and some of the numbers against, and it's, it's different sort of, I, I, I agree with you what you said too. It's, it'd be nice to get some clarity on that moving forward, but 
you know, because well, look how many tonight, stars we've seen in that closer position that found their success in the postseason sure, and, and sure, went in the following year and crushed it. And maybe that's and maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's like we'll find out in the next two couple series who steps up, which one of these ones ends up being the lockdown guy, you yep. know, and, and maybe that is the, what their role develops. And, and we find out because we find a lot of things out in the playoffs. And I know we've got a, a couple of minutes before we go to our, uh, our, our final break and we'll talk some, some football, but, um, uh, a quick, a quick thoughts, man. We found out some things about some players on the Lakers there today. Wasn't Anthony Davis. Wasn't LeBron. It was KCP man. Contavious Caldwell Pope. One of the much maligned Lakers over the last couple of years who he was, I actually tweeted it out last year in July he was to, was was reminding me of how Pedro Baez used to be. Pedro Baez would come in for the Dodgers, and every Dodger fan would groan, "Oh no, oh no!" He would give up a big, you know. They'd bring him in against really good hitters too, and he'd be in a big moment, and he'd give up a home run, and he'd blow a lead, and everybody just hated him. And then he became to the point where two years ago in the playoffs, people are begging for Baez. He was the best pitcher on the staff. And it was amazing how KCP kind of had that very similar arc for Lakers and Dodger uh, for for fans of of the Lakers uh, as you know bias with the Dodgers. He's going to be a guy if the Lakers were able to close this series out that is going to go down as you know a playoff cult hero. He scored 15 points in a huge game. He hit two big shots when the Lakers were going back and forth and and was able to help win Game Three. And I was. I think I had three different shirts that were drenched in sweat. I was like, went through bottles of water. I'm just, that was, and the Dodgers and the Lakers were playing at the same time again. That was on Tuesday night. <laughs> and I'm just going crazy, man. It was a lot of fun. That is a lot of fun because you're never going to get an NBA finals during a baseball season. Uh, baseball uh, during a baseball postseason like again. This. So I know. You ever. know. I got, I'm just, I'm loving it. Yeah, we, so it's going to be a lot of fun for LA yeah. fans. No doubt about that. Hey, you know, one commonality real quickly here before we go to commercial break between baseball and basketball is the in-house music. And I got to thinking with one of my all-time favorites, Eddie Van Halen, his untimely oh, passing. Yeah. He had actually kept it very um, very low-key, didn't let the media know. I know him and Sammy Hagar kind of repaired their relationship, and he asked him. He's like, don't let anybody know that you're even talking to me or that I'm sick or anything like that. So, uh, you know, it kind of got me thinking, though, because Van Halen's jump – and House of Pain's Jump, the rap version, which is a completely different song, probably are the two most played sports songs ever. Are there more two more popular? I mean, you can't go to a sporting event and not hear it, it seems like. Yeah. Across all sports. And he's a local, super local uh, for us, too. Lived in right, um, I think he had a place right up in Monrovia. Uh, I think up in Dwarty, too, at, at one point, and was someone who would go down to Northwoods Inn where I like to eat uh, over here by the racetrack with uh, a lot. So just super sad, man. 2020, we'll be happy to shake our, to like dust our hands and move on from 2020. I can tell you that. Yeah. I mean, the guy's, the guy was a revolutionary and un, unbelievable talent. I mean, it's more than what anybody can even write. I mean, the guy changed the actual instrument of the guitar, created techniques, was so innovative. I mean, he did things, I mean, arguably, there's been nobody in the, you know, 20th or so far 21st century that has uh, been more innovative with an instrument than Eddie Van Halen. Um, so, 
Yeah, he's always been one of my all-time favorites. Van Halen as a band has always been one of my all-time favorites. And they started off as a party band just kind of in that local area that you're talking about there, that Pasadena, Monrovia, 626 area code now. Don't know what it was then. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, very sad news. But wanted to get that in there because I'm a huge Van yeah. Halen fan. And, uh, you know, all the best to Wolfgang and, and Valerie and Janie and the rest of their family, as well as David Lee Roth and company, Sammy. Uh, Alex, who would I leave out? Michael Anthony. Let's take a final commercial break, and we will talk NFL picks, fantasy, and more. Stay with us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel find out what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn we're making it easier to listen to the voice america talk radio network wherever you go in addition to listening live you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts discover new talk show personalities add shows to your list of favorites and listen to all of our show archives on demand all from your ios amazon kindle or android device download it from the apple app store amazon or google play and get ready to tune in the voice america mobile app powered by aircast streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at TheMikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here, final segment on the Mike Abadier Show. So uh, we could have four baseball teams close and clinch their series today on Thursday. And we could know by the end of the evening, which uh, looks right now like it's going to be Astros. Rays have the lead lead two games to one, but they are down early uh, in their game against the Yankees. And the Braves were able to clinch. They move on to the NLCS. They're going to play the winners of Dodgers-Padres. The Dodgers just have to win one more. The Padres would have to come back and beat them three times in a row in order to move on. Do you you know this about the Braves? They went into this postseason with the highest ERA for a pitching staff for a team that advanced. And they had awesome. And (laughs) how about this for juxtaposition, okay? Yet, in the postseason, for any team that's played four or more games, they have the third lowest ERA in history. That's why I love baseball, man. I mean, how could you even explain those two statistics from the same team? You can't. And you see that happen in baseball every time you you watch. I believe. Is it three shutouts? 
I think they have three shutouts this postseason. Yeah. They've they've only, you know, they and they've and again, you look at the road, they they played two teams that we're gonna look back on and say probably weren't great, but they beat the crap out of them. They were able to withstand that crazy thirteen inning game against the Reds and it was zero zero all the way and somehow, you know, get through that dominant Bauer performance and not even allow one run to lose that game. So they've been very good. It, they've been kind of, and you know what's funny about the Braves? It's been kind of quiet, right? You haven't heard like anything about them. It's just been like, oh, it's quietly the Braves. Oh yeah, the Braves won. They're there. They're in the NLCS. It's kind of scary when people, everybody's talking about the Astros because everybody hates them and nobody wants to see them move on. The Yankees are always a polarizing team. The Dodgers are the big favorite. So, you know, in those series, there was a lot of conversation going on. Um, but there was not a whole lot of chatter in that Braves. There, there's series. nothing There's nothing more scary right? for a favorite than than playing a, a team like a that. red hot, quiet foe. Mm-hmm. And they're not quiet on the baseball field either, right? No. They've got some flashy, talented players. They can. That's the thing about them. If their pitching is and now, they're they're not probably going to be able to be doing what they just did. No. But if they're able to hold up and just not be awful, their team and their bullpen is much improved. They're they have the pieces to win. They just have to have their starting pitch and keep them in games. And, and they would be a very tough matchup for the Dodgers, who have felt like a lot of times when they've played the Braves, they've been able to beat up on them. But this, again, same thing. You know, you, you come in and you're quiet and you're pitching well and you've got a really good lineup. So they're, uh, they would be a, a very scary team to, to play. So we, we might see two more series clinch tonight. I'm not going to ever count, you know, as a Dodger fan, I've seen it all happen. As a gambler, we've seen it all happen. But feel confident because it's a, it's May in a situation uh, against a bullpen game for the Padres. So this is a Padres team that Clevenger already had to come out of game one very early. They've had to use a ton of bullpen arms. They are not fresh three, get three days in a row. And I think the Dodgers are going to try to jump on them early on. So. Um, yeah, we'll see if we could, uh, we know what the final four will be. And, and next week we'll be talking all about the uh, championship league series in baseball, but Mike, we're already on to week five in football. Very in the, the history books are going to have a, a very thick edition for the 2020 component of, of, uh, of that NFL. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, at the, at the, Okay, we're a quarter of the way through. Aside from COVID, what are your thoughts about the season so far? Because I think that the two main things that stand out to me are injuries. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, not really many to any big quarterbacks. No, not too many. Obviously, Cam, if you want to call that, you know, a pseudo injury in Garoppolo. Uh, Donald, I think, just uh, got hurt. I don't know how long he's going to miss. But, I mean, for the major quarterbacks, we haven't had any issues with that. A lot of, on both sides of the ball, a lot of injuries. Then the other storyline, I think, is um, the NFL isn't calling nearly as much holding. Oh, yeah. The the way they're calling the games is completely different. Completely different. So penalties that they've been called. are very arena football-like now. Mm -hmm. They're not calling holding penalties, which means we're not getting second or first in 20s or second in longs. And so you're not getting a lot of those, you know, big plays or those touchdowns called back. Um, And the scoring is up 
I mean, quite a bit. I mean, quite a bit. And you see, you're seeing it in the way the over unders in Vegas are posting them. Um, and one thing I've looked at in just looking at the overall metrics too, you know, some of the things like football outsiders, I look at a lot with the, their DVOA rankings in their play, which is, you know, team efficiency. And they put a lot of things in. And, and this week was, was the first time after four games where they start to um, use the uh, opponent factor and they start to, you know, really. So, so now they're very, very, um, they're a lot more accurate than when you're just looking at a team that's three and O maybe and sure. get up on three. They bad need, teams. Yeah. They need more variables to work with. Yep, yep exactly. So, What they're saying, too, is that through four weeks, what they've seen when and this is all comparing to four weeks for other years throughout history, there is a there aren't there's a lot of middle class this year. There isn't like a top tier of three or four good teams and then everybody's bad. There, There's maybe, you know, a few teams that you can feel like are worse than the rest, but it feels like most teams are in a really tight, tight window. And, and it's funny because we saw that at the very beginning of the baseball season two with the shortened season. And I think I wonder if because everybody was in sort of a similar situation with the way they had to roll out the no preseason, you know, you have team with preseason games. Everybody does things differently, right? Some some teams have their guys play. Some don't. Some don't play any. Some are actually working on stuff. Others aren't. And the same thing, I think, in training camps and stuff like that. And so this year, it, it was almost like everybody kind of had to do the same thing. And so there's not a whole lot of variance, even from the really good to the really bad. I've sort of I've sort of noticed that because we look at a few teams and they're bad. We look at a few teams, they seem good. But most teams feel like, you know, we're, we're seeing teams go up big and come all the way back. It feels like there's a lot of teams that are pretty darn close to each other as far as talent and where they stand. Yeah, I don't remember even going into week five where we've seen this many teams with either really good or really bad records. You got Buffalo four and zero, Pittsburgh's three and zero. The whole AFC North, you know, three and one Ravens, three and one Browns. You go to the South, three and zero Titans, three and one Colts. KC is four and zero. The whole NFC East is garbage. The Bucks three and one. Seahawks four and zero, and the Rams three and one. But like even like the Seahawks four and zero, and that's I predicted them to be a division winner, and I like the Seahawks. Their defense, Their defense has been so terrible. atrocious it's that horrible. I can't call them a good team. I just no, and, can't like, come around who, to saying that they're a good team. Oh, I missed Green Bay. Green Bay's 4-0, and, and Chicago's 3-1. And, and I think it's, it's, it's obvious that the Kansas City is still the top dog. They're the reigning champ until somebody beats them. And, and so who's and, second to you? Who's, and the, who's overall, second best team in the NFL? And, and that's, what, that's the thing. Right. I mean, Green Bay has looked good, but they, they feel very similar to Seattle with me. Like, I don't know if I tr- how much I trust their defense. I don't know. I think they're good. I think they're very good playoff type teams. You know, I look at the, you know, the AFC. I think Baltimore is pretty good. I don't think they're, you know, great. Pittsburgh. Yeah, they're o- they're OK. Anybody in the AFC South that makes you go. I mean, the Colts are pretty good. That's the, that's the thing. Even the Bills, who I think are good. There are the nobody feels like I guess it's Chiefs. Then everybody between them, even when you look at the bad teams, to me the only teams that feel when I'm watching them are like are the Jets. The Broncos are beat up, so it's really hard to gauge them. And I mean, like the Falcons are four and zero, but if they beat the Saints next week, that wouldn't surprise you. In it because they can score, they're just they're just like poorly coached and they give up leads. You know, well, Dallas it's looks. Like you- 
You know what Go I was ahead. just asking you about in baseball? Like, like the, did the Dodgers lose three straight this year? And we were trying to think about it. We couldn't come up with, with a three-game losing streak. They probably haven't had one. They probably will not have one the rest of the year. But if I asked you, would you be shocked if the Bears lost three in a row? Would you be shocked if I nope. told you that, you know, the, the Colts or Titans lost three in a row? Nope. I mean, none of these teams that have good records, uh, would I be totally shocked if they if they if they ripped three wins in a row or three losses in a row, even the Bills. Yeah, and so we got to get into it because we only have a few minutes. So let's. I'm going to give out a couple of my plays. You can give out a couple of your plays. Here are the ones I'm looking at for this week, and it's not normal for me. I don't normally like to give out chalky plays, but um, I, I think the Seahawks this week because I, I the reason why Houston uh, the reason why Minnesota looked good last week they were playing against a Houston team that was literally fighting with their coach and trying to to get the guy fired. So I think Minnesota looked a little bit better that than they than they are. Uh, give me Seattle minus the. So you're seven. saying the Vikings are going to be one and four. I think Viking, the Vikings are bad. I think they're wow. really bad, and I think the Texans are going to have that bump this week. This guy was getting into a fight with JJ Watt, who is like one of the most lovable players in the franchise history. Give me Houston. I think you can get five and a half. It's around six or so. And then Arizona, they got to bounce back this week. They're playing against Flacco and the Jets. This bank, I mean, this has to be the week the Cardinals get back on track. Give me those three uh, plays. I think the Cardinals are minus seven. So Cardinals minus seven, Seahawks minus seven, Texans minus six. I'm all chalk this week. <laughs> I hate it, but I'm doing it. You know what, you know, I'm going to take a, a very um, uh, wimpy way out here. There is nothing that I like, to be honest with you. I haven't see, been seeing the ball well, which is not abnormal for me. Usually in the first few weeks of the season, I kind of need to see things out. Kind of like that website you were talking about, the variables in my head. They're not really coming up with winning plays just yet. So uh, I don't really have, have anything that stood out to me, honestly. I mean, I looked at the, uh, at the card three, four times, and I was like, you know what? I don't know. I could see all of these going in either way. You know, if I studied really, really hard, I'd probably just look for two or three overs that look really, you know, like, you know, uh, I don't want to say cinches. No need to force where I'm it. Like, you know no what? I think they'll both get into the it. 30s like we've been seeing. You know, yeah. if I was playing, I would probably take that approach. But, uh, but there are some intriguing matchups, though. You know, yeah. I'm kind of intrigued by the, Colts, Browns, the Dolphins and the Niners because I think both of their seasons really will depend on this game. You know, you can't go to one and four and expect anything. And in that division, if the Niners go to two and three, kind of early to say that you're in trouble, but they might be. Yeah. You know, and, so and intriguing Colts, week nonetheless, you know. Yep. And we're 20 seconds out. Colts Browns for me. That game, I don't have a lean. I'm just interested. These are two, three, and one teams. Someone's going to be four and one. Both of these teams have been pretty good so far. And I'm very excited to see what plays out here. Colts Browns. A lot of good matchups. Enjoy your baseball, basketball, football, as always. Thank you for listening. We'll see you same time, same place next weekend. Have a tremendous sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.